You're listening to Chameleon Church. Biblical antidotes for the modern man. With your host, Ellen Aguirre. Alan Aguirre for the Chameleon Church Show, coming to you live and direct from the Wasatch back. I can't believe it. Can you believe it? It's September, September 7th. Wow. So as you can tell, I'm, I'm wearing autumn, autumn colors. <sighs> yeah, because, you know, it's that's what's happening out there. Hey, let's begin with, um, first of all, saying, hey, thanks for being here. Thanks for watching, etc., uh, etc. Et We're glad you're here. Always good to see and to be seen. Uh, to begin with, let me say, for those of you following the fixed Jewish calendar, uh, happy civil new year and happy Rosh Hashanah. Uh, today is a high Sabbath, if you don't know that. Probably. Most people that follow the, the, the fixed calendar and observe Rosh Hashanah instead of Yom Torah, don't actually know that it's also a high Sabbath. So uh, so anyway, I wanted to extend that greeting to those of you that are observing today based on the fixed calendar. And the rest of us who are doing the um, the visible crescent. Now, now let me let me let me let me say I understand why why some of you um, are forced to do the fixed calendar for job purposes like oh, you know it's kind of hard for it's kind of hard for me to start asking for days off after i see the visible crescent right whereas a lot of you are like hey i've got a job and i've got to you know i got to give notices to uh, an employer and i can't just sit around and wait for a visible crescent so we're going to go with the fixed calendar so that there's the dates outlined already i fully understand that i fully understand that um but more importantly to go with what God told Moses, be above all else, remember my Sabbath, which is why this is, um, that's why I wanted to make that little point about, regardless if you are doing the fixed calendar and then you are observing Rosh Hashanah and you did the whole apple and honey thing, um, today's a high Sabbath, so you shouldn't be at work anyway. But that's why people need to know ahead of time what days they can take off for the high Sabbath. Uh, and then the rest of us that are waiting for the physical, uh, for the visible new moon crescent. Uh, and if all of that sounded like Greek to you, it probably did because it's a break, uh, not Greek. <laughs> My cats. I think I put that joke in the book, actually. Uh, those of us waiting for the, phys- uh, the visible new moon crescent, we should be, what's today? I'm thinking we're going to see it tomorrow night. And then, of course, we'll let everybody know, and then our numbers will change. So let's say let's say we see the visible crescent tomorrow night, which I think was when we'll see it. Then, um, then Thursday will be Yom Turah, Feast of Trumpets, High Sabbath, and then next, then the following Thursday or Wednesday night will be the High Sabbath of the first day of the Feast of uh, first day of Feast of Trumpet. Um, tabernacles sorry oh i'm sorry the following sabbath saturday friday to saturday i think it's the 10th of the month will be well you know what let me just pull out my calendar instead of trying to do this by memory okay if we see the visible crescent on wednesday night then thursday the 9th of september will be yom turah feast of trumpets a high sabbath then the sabbath of the 18th that's friday the 17th 
to the 18th. That Saturday will be uh, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. Then the following Thursday, Wednesday to Thursday, the evening of the 22nd to the evening of the 23rd, will be the High Sabbath of the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And then the evening of the 29th, through the 30th, the thir- you know, September 30th will be the eighth day, the high Sabbath of the eighth, the eighth day of tabernacles. This is figuring this out, doing what we just did is part of keeping the commandments. This is part of the observance, part of the mitzvah. And it's just the way he set it up. I, I didn't make this up. This is the way he set it up. And um, so, you know, that's how it is. So that's what we're doing. That's where we're at. We're entering the, the fall feast. They're here. We're, they're upon us. And um, so another little thing I wanted to bring up is on Tuesday, after Tuesday's show, I was having a little conversation with, with Chris, and I've posted about this. And I went on a, a little prophetic um, treasure hunt, trying to determine where are we? Sorry, where are we if such and such is, you know, is, if, you know, What's going on? Because we were talking about the, thing, the things that are going on out there. Like, um, like look what's happening to Australia. Look what, looks what's happening to Canada. Look what they're trying to do to us here. Uh, we're talking about various things that we don't really discuss on here because we don't want to be pulled by um, our – we don't want to be pulled by social media, which is actual, actually censoring us here in the United States. If you didn't know that, then you're, you're probably so deceived I, I can't help you. But we have been under censorship for well over a year on social media uh, regarding certain topics. There are certain topics you cannot discuss, uh, you can't have an opinion on. Uh, think about that. We live in the United States of America. And if I have an opinion about vaccination, if I have an opinion about COVID-19, if I have an opinion about what happened to the elections, and I say that opinion, they will censor and take this show off YouTube and Facebook. Welcome to the new America that you voted for, uh, that you allowed. And they might pull it just because of what I just said. And then they'll give you a, a strike. And if you get two strikes, they'll pull your channel and you have no repercussions. They'll pull the, your YouTube channel and you can't get your... Yeah, that's why we don't talk about those things. So anyway, we are under censorship. So anyway, we were talking about that. And I said, you know, God knew this was going to happen. It's not like he's surprised by any of this. He knew that this was going to happen, and he knew when it was going to happen, and he knew when and why and how it was going to happen. He's not surprised by any of this. And so when I said that, I I was like, well, wait a second, because if that's the case, which it is, then there's a prophetic, there's 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 a cadence. I don't know if you know this, but God has a cadence to this planet, to his act, his act, Activity regarding us and involving us. Sons of Issachar, that should kind of come up to play there. Um, we are basically pretty much mirroring Israel. If you read any of the Old Testament narrative regarding, or the Old Testament algorithm regarding Israel, we're kind of like almost following what they did, how they did, when they did it. So I went looking for what's going on and uh, found a couple markers that I remembered and came up with what I came up with. And that's, uh, we were looking at Haggai and Haggai literally sets the date, which was last Wednesday night. Haggai literally says on this day, on the sixth month, well, that was last Wednesday night. And we're, and so just to come to on Wednesday morning on the, uh, incorruptible 
two-minute warning, I, I shared all of this information. So you can go, go back and check it out. So to cut to the chase, we're essentially so we're entering into this, the fall feast season, uh, a time of preparing the temple. We're supposed to, you know, stop work on our, our stuff, right? Put him first. We're supposed to align ourselves with him. We're supposed to, uh, uh, you know, check ourselves, you know, consider our ways and, and be about, be, get busy at the work. We're supposed to be busying ourselves with the work of creating his house, his temple, God's domain within our midst. And that was the, the gist of the word. And so I posted that on Wednesday. Um, and, and then the next date in Haggai is literally the last day, the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, so there's stuff going on there. And then it, it doesn't stop there. It continues into um, the prophecies uh, regarding the high priest Joshua, and remember, and the branch, and the seven not lampstands. So we're entering into that realm of the prophetic. So we want to. We're going to be taking a look at all that stuff too. But I bring that up because. So I said it was a now word. I didn't say, yeah, here's the new prophetic word from Alan Aguirre. I didn't do that because I don't do that. But I did say that, look, you need to pay attention to this because this is a now word. This is for now, a word for the now. And because I'm not necessarily saying I'm a prophet or that I'm prophetic. Well, I do, I do in a way, but I don't just say, Hey, I don't, you know, it's not like on, on my business card or something. So I'm always going to, so if I do say something, if I, if the, if the, and I've, and I've shared this before, if the Holy Spirit or when the Holy Spirit gives me or my wife or us something, it, we're not surprised that within a week or two, other vetted legitimate prophetic voices uh, start saying the same thing because it's one spirit, people. It's not like we're listening to, you know, I know there's 3,000 plus denominations in Protestantism, but there's not 3,000 versions of God. There's not 3,000 spirits of God. There's not 3,000 different gods out there. I know you want to believe that so that if you're a Methodist, you think you're okay, but no, it doesn't work that way, buddy. It just, it doesn't work that way. Never has never will. There's one doctrine, there's one spirit, there's one God, there's one gospel. And when you change it based on your denominational lines, which is what the problem with Christianity is, this is why we do what we do here, um, yet yeah, you can't do that, see? You can't do that. Uh, oh, wow, I can take any day for the Sabbath. No, you can't. Well, yeah, you can't. But then you won't be in alignment with God because God said, this is my Sabbath. Remember it. And you forgot it. That's the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments. So, yeah, I don't need your help. I can trigger myself. Thank you very much. So, we, when we speak these words, I'm looking for confirmation because I don't think I'm the end all. Obviously, I mean, if you think that about me, I know people do think that about me. It's just because, well, you don't like what I'm saying, and it cuts to the quick, and you'd rather demonize me than listen. So, on uh, last night, uh, one, one of one of you sent me a screenshot of what was taught at Glory of Zion, Chuck Pierce's church on Sunday morning, and it from from uh, Hi, Hi, Hadler, 
Robert Hadler, who's really awesome, and he's the one that always um, brings out the, hey, this is the, the year that we're moving into, and here's what it means in the Hebrew, and it's, it's a great teaching. And we, you know, we see it, and then we see that on the, um, when we go to the Glory of Zion Head of the Year conference, which we won't be doing this year. And so he mentioned, hey, look, we're entering into this year, and it's the, the bet year, and it's, it means house. And it literally says, uh, we're, we're, you know, God's, you know, it's talking about the building of God's house. And that's the season that we're entering. Gee, there's the confirmation. I like it when the Holy Spirit does that because I don't, I don't, when it comes to that stuff, I don't want to be wrong. I love being wrong, but I, not when it comes to that. So we got the confirmation. It's not only is it a now word, it is a now prophetic word. We need to be very, very, clear about that because we need to be proactive about it and we need to be in alignment with it. We've just entered the fall phase. Uh, we will be doing the, the, the new, the physical, the visible, the new visible crescent is, is going to be in the next day or two entering the fall phase. Hey, Lenny's not with us this morning because, uh, well, he just couldn't be with us this morning. So look who's back. Uh-huh. <laughs> Cheers. Clink. Cheers. No, there's not. There's not bourbon in my mug. It is coffee. I have straight up coffee, and I'm halfway through, so I'll be disappearing to get more. What's up, Chris Rosentrader? If those of you that don't know, Chris Rosentrader, the original drummer for Spyglass Blue, entrepreneur, man of God, godly husband and father, uh, prophetic in his drumming, actually, um, and he's got a prophetic spirit on him. Um, I trust this guy. I trust what he has to say. And um, that's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. What's up, buddy? What's going on? Not much. I, I mean, I'm thinking of so many ways I can bust you today. Go for it, man. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Why are you thinking of so many ways that you can bust me? Well, I, I just love you. It's so oh, fun. Well, go ahead. Take a shot. I think you got to. I think you got to recut that fall video of the. Is it too long? It's just it's painfully long. It's you know I was having this deja vu moment. What's a deja vu moment? I do love the bird sounds. I love the nature sounds. Uh, you know, you, I don't know. It's just too long. It's like you know, and like well, you probably don't know, but like in the early like the end of the century, nineteen ninety nine to like two thousand two thousand one, when like all the churches especially the bigger churches started using like video for their announcements. That's what it, that's what it feels like to me. It feels like, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like the band plays and then we have this transition moment and now presenting an announcement for next week's potluck. And it's like this, this video that's like about 20 seconds too long. That's what it, I was just having a deja vu moment on. I'm just busting. I'm just, I'm just teasing you, but. It, I like it. It's just it's just too long. It's painfully long. I love how long it is. It's so, uh, it's so refreshing. It's like when uh, you spank. It's when you spank a kid. Those first two or three, they don't feel that. You got to keep going, dude. You're gonna get your channel's gonna get shut down. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so so you can't spank kids either, can you? Yeah, I'm just kidding. I've never spanked a kid. Before. I talked to my designer friends. They're working right now on a new business card for you that says Prophet Aguirre. Oh, you got to get that up on your website. What about the Apostolic Prophet Aguirre? Yeah, uh, yes. That's. I mean, we got. It's got to be on your website, and oh, we got to. What's the Hebrew version of the word, Alan? Like, let's. I think it's Shlomo. I heard. Yeah, it let's go, Shlomo. Prophet Shlomo Aguirre. 
And can I have a link to my Amway site? <laughs> link to yeah. my Amway website? But I, I do love how God works. If there's a word he's speaking, because it's one spirit, and he's he is... If he's speaking a word, or what you would call a now word, people that are in the spirit are going to hear Right, hear it and proclaim it, and I mean, this is. I'm not saying I'm a prophet, but but God, I've seen God work in that way in my heart, and I know probably most of us had that are. Prophetic. Anyway, anyway, like, so yesterday it happened to me. Like I was, you know, I, a lot of times in the car, uh, I'm doing errands or whatever. I'll just put on a podcast or whatever, and it was second. This guy was talking about Second Corinthians three eighteen. Glory to glory, beholding the Lord. Um, and I'm like, oh, I love, I love that verse. It's been a, a theme in the last couple of months for me. And then, you know, someone sent me a video, uh, YouTube last night and I'm looking at, it, and it was on second Corinthians three eighteen. And my reading this morning was in second Corinthians. I'm like, okay, God, there's that, that's, that's more than coincidence to me, you know? Right. And, and so I, I love how that, how God can work in us. Right in the church globally, but then as individuals, where 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 we're hearing the same thing, and God's trying to prick us with something. Yeah, and, if we're paying attention. If we're paying attention. Right. So uh, back to what you were saying about Rosh Hashanah and your word you felt like you got last week, and specifically about the thing to Haggai. Yeah. Were you, were you, so let me. I mean, this is just a point of clarification. You're not saying what Haggai is talking about is happening right now. This this thing that he's saying is about to happen right now. You're saying you're talking about more of like the the calendar and the pattern or the overlay. Yeah. These cycles and these themes about that's what you're not and I, I have a follow up question after that, but right. Yeah. So the so the the way we were taught our our conversation was I said that and I felt I didn't like I didn't I wasn't satisfied with me saying, oh, well, God knew this was going to happen and he knew how this was going to happen because of, because, because knowing that that's true, that he did and does, then, then what? Right. And, and so I was like, and then I remembered a word from Lance Wall now about a year ago regarding Haggai because in the feast book, but when I was writing the feast book, and that's why I mentioned the feast book in, in that word. Um, I remember there's a lot of us were thinking and feeling and saying that we were like in an Ezra moment. We were like, it was like, hey, this is a Nehemiah 8 situation. We're entering into days of Ezra. Okay, what does that mean? Well, Israel is brought back to the land for, through because of Cyrus. Who was Cyrus? Trump. Well, you know, blah, 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 blah. There's, there's your connected dots, Right. And just like Israel, right, he uses Cyrus to help Israel get back into the land from Babylon to rebuild the temple. Israel balks at what God had in, in stored for them. Oh, well, look at how we stalled out, too. Instead of, instead of understanding and, and cooperating with the spirit of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus regarding a Trump, we instead picked up placards with three letters on them and, you know, the whole Antifa thing and then this and then the, the 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 what happened all of last year, all this other stuff. It was like the enemy was go, was doing everything to distract us from alignment. 
because that's what he does. You know, when you realize that you live on a planet that whose God is a liar and a murderer from the beginning, then you won't be surprised at, at the fact that everything around you is designed to lie, kill, steal, destroy, deceive, everything, everything, everything. And people don't understand that. They don't believe that. There's no way my government would ever lie to me. There's no way my government would ever try to deceive me. There's no way the, the TV or advertising or marketing is trying to manipulate me. They, they're, they're, and, and guess who believe those things? The majority. And they're sheep. Because they're sheep simply because they actually don't believe what we're talking about. Anyway, we connect the dots. Well, if, if, we, if we did the same thing Israel did. And so, right, Mario Murillo said it best, and I've, and I've repeated this over and over. We had a state of execution with the Trump presidency as a body, as a church. We blew it, and it wasn't just here in the States. His presidency impacted the world and world leaders. It touched Jerusalem specifically. This is all, wait a second. And then, see, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, most people don't. And then... Um, and, and then, be, but because we didn't take care, of, take care of the business that we were supposed to take care of as a body, now we're getting spanked. Well, Israel didn't take care of their business that they were supposed to take care of, so they got spanked. And so that's where Haggai comes in and says, "Hey, look, this is what you've been. You, the temple's not built. You didn't take care of what you're supposed to when you were with you know through Nehemiah and Ezra. You didn't. You dropped the ball. So here we are in Haggai." You still haven't taken care of business, and now this is what's going to happen to you. And then they start naming dates, which were exactly last week and three weeks. We're literally in this time period, which is why I looked there, because if we were in an Ezra time period four or five years ago, well, what is God's not, God's methodical. God's not you know, all bouncing off all over the place. There is an actual script at work. There's a script being played out. God sees the ending from the beginning. There's this whole process that God does that he tells us about this. And he even warns us. He doesn't do anything on earth without first revealing it to his servants, the prophets, the the, the sons of uh, Issachar. I mean, on and on and on. None of this is should surprise us. But because as humans, we don't one cooperate. Two, we don't. We're not walking in obedience. Three, we walk in the flesh and not in the spirit. Four, we really don't have a heart for the things of God. So we don't. Right? What does the proverb say? You, you, they're like a well. They're a deep well, and the wise man goes and he brings them up. Right? There's, there are secrets. It says. Yeah, right? I mean, so because we don't do any of that stuff, we walk around going, oh, 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 oh right? Uh, and, 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 and that's why we don't believe all the stuff that they call conspiracy. Because we don't, we're not in alignment. We don't, we don't walk in the light. So because we do that as humans, we have 3,000 plus denominations, 3,000 different ways to come to Jesus, 3,000 different ways to do Christianity. We have 3,000 variations of, of eschatology, and, uh, and none of them are right because none of them are based on the Word of God. They're all just based on the fears and prejudices of man and, and their agenda, right? Um, 
when and, and you're right so we don't that's why we believe oh well we don't we can't we we can't know when jesus is coming back because see that puts responsibility on the individual in order for me to know when jesus comes back or to know the season of, of his return means i've taken proactive responsibility for my life and my faith that's a that's a new testament new testament says you better i taught about that on uh incorruptible last week but they're not going to do that because they're lazy yeah, this is, you're going somewhere where I was thinking, too. This is good. Um, there's a lot of planes in the air. Let me just describe them and see if you can land it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Without crashing us? <laughs> I mean, it's like, uh, well, Safran's, you know, she's in the chat talking about the year of the release. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation with my boy the last couple of days. He's been reading Matthew. I've been talking to him about, like, soaking in the Word, like, read the same thing over and over. You know, so he's he's... He's spinning in Matthew, so he's having this question about, you know, wars and rumors of wars. So when's got? So when is he coming back? But then Jesus says, "Not even I know when he's returning." You know, the, only the Father knows. It. And so we're talking about what you just said. It's not that we're picking the day and the time where he's coming back, but we know seasons. You know, the seasons of right. And so what you were saying about, I think what Safran's saying about the year release, what you're saying about last week. You know the things you're noticing today is a is a big day. Um, the, the the question is so like you hear someone giving these words about the seasons and the times and the year release, and then it showed up on my radar in the last two days about a friend of a friend saying Jesus is coming back yesterday. <laughs> So, so like I follow this guy and he says Rosh Hashanah, yada, yada, yada. Um, so, so we know obviously Jesus didn't come back yesterday. So people hear these. We're, we're all screwed. <laughs> oh, yeah. So people hear these things and then they yep. double down and then they, but yep. like, wait, so like here, let me, I wrote down this question when I was, I was thinking about, oh yeah. Okay. So I wrote, there are threads going around this week that Jesus is coming back yesterday. Or, or you know, today they would say, um, and and I wish that were true. Oh, oh, wait, wait. Okay, so there are threads going around that Jesus is returning this Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, yeah, like okay. yeah, yesterday, like yesterday, like okay. they planned their life, like he's coming back well, yesterday. Well, here's the thing about that, real quick. Because Jesus would follow the visible crescent, not the fixed calendar, he could come back in two days. <laughs> yeah, but there's also things that are in Scripture that are kind of like show us that yeah, that's probably not likely yet because like some. Like, well, this because is what, here's, here's why it's this is what I'm going to you like, like, well, here's why it's probable. We are in the seventh year cycle. We're about to enter the Shemitah mm-hmm. year, mm-hmm. right? Like literally we've entered the Shemitah year this, this week. So it's, he's not going to come back year two, three, four, five, right? He'll probably come back end of six or somewhere in the seven. Cause it's like a Sabbath the night before the evening to the morning. Right. So, so that there's, I guess the question is like that is so how, how you get how you get caught up in like is this a season and like the prophetic cycle or is that actually no man it's I think it's a combination of of all of that but there yeah. is going to be a season and a prophetic cycle where it's like oh crap it's tomorrow he's coming back you know what I'm yeah. saying So but here's the other scary thing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago rabbinical rabbis were prophesying that this would be the last Rosh Hashanah without Messiah. It's on record from hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And we touched on that, didn't we, uh, within the last year somewhere? I think we talked about that somewhere. 
there, you have to consider that because, I mean, they are going to be privy to that information. Remember, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Gamaliel prophesied that and didn't know he was prophesying. He prophesied Messiah, uh, one man for the nation. See, so let me tell you something, man. Here's what I do believe. And everyone says this, but they didn't have the internet and Israel wasn't a restored nation. We're probably the closest we've ever been. I mean, if we're, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen because, you know, I mean, it's, there's, there's a good, better chance of it ever happening now than it was 150, 200, 300, 800 years ago. You know what I mean? And look at the state of the world, the, right? When was the last time the entire planet was in alignment with a thing together regarding humanity? I mean, this is like a freaking Tower of Babel moment going on. And you have not heard me say that before. You, as in our listening audience who uh, needs to like, share, and subscribe <laughs> to our social media. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, this isn't just here in the U.S. This isn't just happening here in Utah or there in Washington, you know. Um, I mean, look at Australia. Look at the U.K. Look at Europe. Look at stinking Australia. What is going on there? What the heck? Are they doing that because they think they're so separated from the rest of us that they can just get away with it? Well, look at what they did 25 years ago, what they want to do to us here today. You know, get rid of, take, take our guns. You know, you know what would happen to society if, they, if society didn't, weren't allowed to have guns? You'd have more Antifa issues uh, than, you, than just Portland and, and Seattle. You know, um, it's crazy. And yeah, the, I would agree with Tim. It is the 10 versions. We've talked about that. 10 versions knew when and where to go and when and where to be for his return. And five of them were found needing, wanting, lacking. Half. That's 50%, people. Jesus said, I'm gracious. I say 20%. I, you know, no, I don't. I say, I say, I say that 20% of us are going to get it. Jesus said 50% of us are going to get it. So he's more gracious than I am. But you know what I'm saying? It's, uh, it's always a rem. Oh, and the and, and the key word I thought one of the key words I thought with this Haggai word was it said a, a remnant of people. It didn't say a whole bunch of people. It was a remnant. So anyway, go on with your questioning. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> go on with the flogging. Oh no, that's good. But I mean, there's a lot of stuff about you know Israel being restored. There's a lot of stuff about you know the temple. You know, it just it just seems. Right. Let me, let me, big, I, big idea, big idea. Live like he's coming back today. That's what I tell my kids. Right. 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 Let me ask you and, a question real quick. Let me yeah. ask you a question real quick. Is when was Israel restored is the question. Well, the nation of Israel, the nation state of Israel was stored, was restored in 48. That's what I meant. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. It's, it's about, it's about the heart and is your heart for the Lord yeah. and live, oh, live like he's, this is how I'm coaching my kid, my boy. Live like he's coming back today, and live like, like he could come back. I mean, I have a lot of trigger warnings growing up in the church <laughs> because it's like it's like this cycle, and and everyone's like, oh, you know, it's if you said the Vietnam War, oh, it's so bad, Jesus is coming back, you know. Oh, so that, that, and then, do you remember the book? It was nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, my uh, my dad was really in this eighty eight nope. reasons why. 
Jesus could return in 1988. Right. But and that, also- that became this thing and churches actually split over it. Like, and then you had like Y2K always coming back. And so you have this, yes. okay, it's another, it's another thing to get this even distracted on from living like a, living like a, one of the 10 versions, you know, like there are wars and rumors of wars. So eventually it will happen, but this, the diligence of don't get caught up in the spin from the distraction of putting your hope in something other than the Lord. Yeah. You know, whether that's, you know, politics or whatever, but yeah. See, I, I don't have a problem. See, here's, here's the thing. I, I want to be alive when Messiah returns. I know what that means. I want to hear the horn. Oh my gosh, that's going to be, and it's going to be supernatural, dude. It's not going to see, and that's what Rosh, and that's what Yom Turah represents. So if we're following the visible crescent, that's what Thursday is going to represent. I think we'll, we'll see the, the new moon uh, tomorrow, not tonight, but tomorrow night. Israel, it's a memorial day. Yom Turah, the Feast of Trumpets. See, Rosh Hashanah isn't biblical. That's a Babylonian construct. That's like Christmas instead of Hanukkah. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's absolutely Babylonian. It's the, the civil year, the civil new year, head of the year, all that crap Israel brought with them out of Babylon. I explain it in this book called The Feast Unlocked. Uh, by now. By Sabado, Sabado, Sabado. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I explain all that in there. But is it's a memorial day, and Israel is supposed to blow the shofar in memoriam. To what? They they're they're so disconnected because in all my research they're like we're not quite sure what's, what we're supposed to mem- remember. It's like really well, of course they they forgot. How wouldn't you forget that four months ago a supernatural shofar blast occurred? God calling you to Mount Sinai to marry you, and you balked at his wedding proposal? Yeah, I'd want to forget that too. So that's what, that's what Yom Torah is all about. It's to remind us that God called us four months ago to Shavuot, to Mount Sinai, to marry us. And we said, no, Moses, you go talk with him. We're afraid. And so then what did God do? Torah. And then now we're going to marry his son instead of him. See, it's an amazing situation. So, yeah, I want to hear that blast of that shofar. Now, here's the thing. I actually don't have a problem thinking that this can literally happen in my lifetime. So there's this other guy. There's this guy. He's a, I, I, I'm going to call him a prophet. I think he's a prophet. And I've been watching him closely for the last three or four years. And he's kind of bummed me out. Um, you got to remember, most of these guys don't keep Torah like I do. They don't eat clean and all that. And that's where a lot of the ignorant Torah people would say, well, then he's a false prophet. Well, no, that's because you don't understand what the Bible says about a false prophet. This guy, those guys aren't telling you not to keep Torah. They're not telling you not to keep the commandments. That's what a false prophet does based on the actual Deuteronomy 13 narrative. I talk about that in this book. (laughs) (laughs) By now, discounted. But wait, there's more. (laughs) If you don't know what day it is, buy the calendar. I'm just kidding. Anyway, so, um, oh my gosh, I cracked myself up. Um, so I've been watching him, and he apolog- and he ends up apologizing because somebody mentioned 
What were we supposed to do? It was stolen from us. I agree. But why was it stolen from us? It was stolen from us because we did the wrong thing. And the way Amaro Marillo explained it was the best. There's this prophet that was told he could win against Syria or whatever, hit the ground, and he only hit it three times. And the prophet said, oh, you should have kept hitting it. If you would have hit more, it would have been like that. But now it's going to prolong. That's the great uh, proof text for what happened. Yes, it was stolen because we dropped the ball as a church body, as a whole church body. Anyway, so I've been, you know, following this guy. He's a prophet, and um, and he he apologized for prophesying a Trump re-election. And I'm like, anyway, so he kind of kind of bums me out a little bit regarding, uh, you know, this guy. So I'm kind of like. Uh, why did I bring him up? There's a reason why I brought him up. What are we talking about? Oh, oh, and he starts talking about prophetic words about his daughters and how they're going to, like, so, so he's thinking Jesus isn't going to come back in his lifetime. Jesus isn't going to come back for hundreds of years. And I'm like, ah, oh, man. Yeah. All right, next question. What, what, continuing? Okay, yeah, that's, let's let's get lively here in another area so if the feasts don't save us right no the right, keeping Torah doesn't save us no. right right yeah you say this all the time they don't save or justify us obedience to the commandments torah does right so just could you talk about maybe uh, what's going on in zechariah meaning like in 14 where he's saying keep the feast of booths tabernacle which is coming it, up it, yeah, and if you don't, then and we talked about it last week or two weeks ago. Like, are you like, are you building? You know, you building a tent? Are you going to go camping? What? How are you going to observe it? Um, so Zechariah fourteen is. So some churches. Okay, I don't. I don't know how to how I say this. So if you had some leaders in evangelical Christianity that would say, the law, yeah. Christ has done away with the law. Not some, the majority. The majority, right. Okay, I'm being gracious. I've heard, so they've saying it's been, the law's been abolished, but the Feast of Booths, this would be a minority, but the Feast of Booths is the only one to observe. Right. So, so they won't do the dietary stuff, but they right. will bring in a celebration yeah. of, of this feast. Yeah. Is this where this is coming from, Zechariah 14? Yeah, so, yeah, so here... Let's, 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 let's explain this as succinct. I have, I have some sub-questions, but I'm, I've been trying to think about right. this, how you can say Allah right. Shalah, but then so hold so right. strongly to well, the feast well, part, but right, not really celebrate the feast. Right. It's more like a potluck. Right. The majority, the majority of Christendom, and I'm going to include the Catholics on that one, right? The majority of Protestants and, Catholic, and, and Catholics, right? For the last 2,000 years, you got to remember, the Catholics did this to us. As, I, as explained in here, uh, 1,800 years ago, you can't say, at this, here's the thing, you can't say, oh, we're not under the law, because that's a scary thing to say if you're a person of faith, because you just confess, I'm not under God's covenants. <gasps> Whoa, right? You just, dis you just divorce yourself from God when you say that. You can't say the law has been done away with, but the Ten Commandments are good, because the Ten Commandments are the law. See, so see, so they literally don't know what they're talking about. And when you don't know what you're talking about, what you say doesn't make sense. 
So the so Christendom as a whole for 1800 years literally do have they have no idea what they're talking about. In the same way, neither did the Catholics. The Catholics believe in Good Friday. Why? Because Good Friday is when Jesus died. Why? Because it says he died on the Sabbath. Oh, so one, you admit that the Sabbath isn't Sunday, that you did that, and that the Sabbath is Friday to Saturday, right? That's incrimination, number one. And the second incrimination is that you don't even know what the Scripture says, because the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread is a high Sabbath, which is the Sabbath he was having to get off the cross for. So they don't know what they're talking about. And as Protestants, Reformed Catholics, we carry on the tradition of stupidity because we're really not going to try and figure this out for ourselves because it's too much work. And we'd rather not because we're not spiritual, we're carnal. And we're not going to walk in the spirit, we're going to walk in the flesh, and we're going to do what our pastor says. Don't know, Moses, you tell us, and we'll listen to you. See, that's been going on forever. So in the same way, you can't say Jesus did away with the law, but the Ten Commandments are good. You can't say Jesus did away with the law, but uh, the, the Feast of Tabernacles is, is legit. Because that's just you're just a special kind of stupid if you do that. So here's what happens. First John says that sin, the definite, the New Testament definition of sin is breaking the Torah, right? Okay, so if First John, if the New Testament def the definition of sin is not keeping the Torah, not keeping God's commandments, and the wages of sin is death, right? It's not that. So that's where that's that's where the convoluted convoluted peanut size mind of Christians come in, right? Oh, well, the. the uh, we're not saved by keeping the Torah. No, we're not. We keep the Torah because we are saved. But if you don't keep God's commandments, if you don't obey God, it gets you killed. That's why we wrote this. That I'm serious. I'm not, this isn't a plug because this is serious stuff now. That's why we wrote the field manual. Why? Because this is based on what Paul tells his primary Gentile church in Corinth. He tells them in 1 Corinthians um, 10, 1 through 12, look, you can't be ignorant to this matter. This is, a, this is a life or death situation. Israel was saved just like you, yet with the majority of them, God was not pleased and they all died in the desert. This was written down as a warning for you Gentiles. Whoa, wait a second. How do I wrap my, my mind around that? I'm a Gentile, and I don't believe any of this stuff, and I don't know what Paul's talking about. What, what, what do you mean I have to associate myself with Jews dying in the desert with Moses? How does that, how does that impact me? They, they don't have no idea. And it's not like it's being taught because they can't teach it because it goes against their, their false narrative. If I teach that this is that what happened to Israel in the desert with Moses is a warning for New Testament Gentiles, I just blow the whole Catholic narrative that I've, that I've adopted as a Protestant, as a Reformed Catholic. They're not going to do that. They're going to keep going to the Sabbath, uh, Catholic Sabbath. They're going to keep observing the Mass of Christ. They're going to keep doing Easter. They're not going to actually align themselves with the Scriptures, which is keeping the Scriptures. They're not going to do that. They're not going to keep the Torah. Here's, and, and so here's how the Message Bible puts it. These are all warning markers. Danger in our history books. What are the history books? the five books of Moses, the Torah, written down so that we don't repeat their mistakes. 
Our position, our positions in the story are parallel. They at the beginning, we at the end, and we are just as capable of messing it up as they were. That's verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 10 out of the Message Bible. That's literally what's going on. And it's been going on forever. And they don't care. They, For some reason, they don't. See, if, if when you don't fear God, you do Christianity the way you want to do it. That's why we have denominations. Yes, you're right. Torah doesn't save us. We keep Torah. We keep, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I love God. I love Jesus. So I want to keep his commandments. That's keeping Torah. Not just the ones I like, not just the ones that are convenient, not just the ones that whatever. You know, I don't eat bacon because I don't like bacon. I don't eat bacon because he tells me not to. In the same way, I don't do things that I want to because he tells me not to. It's called obedience. And that's what happened in the garden. This whole thing is based on obedience. Are you going to obey me? No, we're, we're not. But we're still going to say we're part of you, and we're going to change it, and we're going to have all these denominations and all these variations and versions, like I, we talked about 20, 30 minutes ago. Um, and, um, and, and, and for some reason, we think God's going to be okay with it. Hey, can we go to a quick commercial break? And then uh, back with Chris in a, in a second. Hey, don't forget, in about 10 days, uh, not only will we be in the middle of Tabernacles, but uh, you'll be able to catch me on the Rude Awakening Shabbat Night Live starting Friday, September 17th, where we discuss the importance of this, where we discuss the importance of, of, our, of the field manual, uh, uh, the the devotional, the what did Paul mean not to do, you know, What's the warning? What did Israel do that we're not supposed to do? What killed Israel in the desert? What kept them from entering into their prophetic destiny and their prophetic inheritance? And how, can, how you can avoid the same pitfalls? With our Exodus in Gathering Field Manual and the companion piece, um, our calendar, our 65-week calendar, our brand new one. This starts January of next year. <sighs> yeah, buddy. So... Um, yeah, don't forget, like, subscribe, notifications, follow, do all that social media stuff. All right, Chris, where we're at. Is any of this making sense? I need God's mercy. <laughs> Here, check it out. The, they're, they're reading Matthew 5.17 incorrectly. Here's the way Christians read it. I know what you're thinking. You think I've come to do away with the law. I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to do away with the law. That's triple negative there. See, here's what Jesus actually says. I know what you're thinking. You think I've come to do away with the law. I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill it. The word do away with is a different Greek word than the word fulfilled. For some reason, they believe that the word fulfilled means to do away with, even though he literally says in the same verse that that's not what he came to do. Why won't they listen to Jesus? Well, gee, isn't that the issue from day one? He literally says he didn't come to do away with it. He came to fulfill it. Then, if you look at the Greek word for fulfill there, it means to expand, to give it legs, to empower. And then, in the continuing verses, what does he say? He says, look, this is a, long, this is a standing covenant not a jot or tittle until heaven and earth pass away. Look outside your window. I live in Utah. I know where you live. You look outside your window. It's a beautiful heaven and an earth, right? It's a beautiful heaven and earth out there. It hasn't been done away with. Why does Jesus say that? Because Moses made Israel 
swear against heaven and earth that they would keep Torah. Joshua made Israel swear against heaven and earth that they would keep Torah. That's the cosmic deal right there. It's the cosmic covenant with man. You will keep my Torah. My Torah is a standing document until heaven and earth pass away because that's what they swore against. And Jesus said, until heaven and earth pass away, this Torah is still in effect not, and not a jot or tittle. Jesus said that. So a jot or tittle, you know what that is? That's like a tiny little mark. Yet Christianity's done away with whole chapters of the word of God. They're not doing what Jesus said. And then Jesus continues in that conversation in Matthew 5 on how he's going to fulfill it. And my, here's the one that he uses. Uh, well, here's one of the ones he uses. Moses says that if you um, have sex with a woman that's not your wife, you commit adultery. I say if you think about having sex with a woman that's not your wife, you commit adultery. Christianity teaches us that the law of Moses is impossible to keep. Well, that goes against the Old Testament, the actual scripture, and it goes against 1 John, who says, my, my, my covenant, my, my commandments are not burdensome. So that, there's another lie from Christianity. Uh, and Jesus said, and right, so if, if doing adultery is what Moses said gets you in trouble, Jesus said thinking about adultery— he just raised the he just raised the bar, but no, he, he he actually put it back by fulfilling it. He puts it back to where God intended it in the first place. Man is the one that says we can't obey God. Man is the one that says we can't keep God's covenant, and then they create a lie. God knew that we couldn't keep the Torah, so He sent Jesus to do it for us. So now you don't have to. That never, that, that's a ironic lie because there's not a single passage in Scripture or the New Testament that ever says that, ever. Yeah, and that example you're giving, too, about adultery, God or Jesus, is it, it's like he's spinning it. He's spinning it on his head. He's, he's making it. He's like he's, say he's raising the bar, but he's also taking it back to the heart. Right. Exactly. It, 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 it's like it's your heart. So he's not adding, it's, he's not adding a, it's, it's interesting because, well, maybe how do you comment on this? Like he's not making it another rule of don't think nope. about adultery. He's, he's, it's like a paradoxal heart check question. Absolutely. Like, do you love me? And I'm fascinated by this because I mean, if you take, uh, I texted you earlier this week about the criminal on the cross next to him. Right. Who, who, let's assume, wasn't following Torah. And right. he says, you'll be, yeah, you'll be with me in heaven. So this, this person is saved that didn't practice Torah, that didn't get a chance to eat correctly. And then you have someone like um, the woman that washes Jesus' feet with, his hair, with her hair, probably hasn't been practicing Torah, and immediate forgiveness. And I just, I, I, right. it's just such a fascinating thing how God, how Jesus would would give absolution and forgiveness to those that the Pharisees would say, you didn't check this. Right. At the same time, the Pharisees' heart aren't with them. Right. Just, ooh, it's yeah. really, really the, the, the mercy and the love that Jesus displayed and gave right. freely right. Is, is fascinating. It really is. And see, and that's what, that's what's frustrating about 
the Christian take on what we're talking about. They're they're literally talking about what they don't understand, or or, or they just because they right, they don't they're not it's 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 beyond their pay grade. It's like it's like the people that don't actually speak in tongues or prophesy or do any anything that has to do with charismatic, but they're the most vocal against it. You don't know what you're talking about. It's beyond your pay grade. You had literally no idea what you're talking about. Well, I've I've been around charismatica. It's it's all it's all Kundalini. It's like, when was the last time you healed your kid when they were sick? Well, they never have. See, so it's like you literally are talking about something. Um, a, a garage band can't tell you an icre. Let me close my window real quick. There's a trash uh, recycle. Um, like that. Um, it's like it's literally a garage band has very little to tell you and I about how to do what we what we do musically, right? Because they don't have the experience, they don't have the background, they don't have the reference that we do. So it's the same thing. It's the same way. Oh man, I didn't know there was trash out. Crap, my trash isn't out there. Um, so it's the same way. That if you don't do any of these things, you don't. You know, you really don't know what it is that you're talking about. It's the same thing with Torah. I. They actually don't know. They think it's like what you said—a checklist. Uh, it's all about don'ts. No, it's not. It's not. It's not all about. Uh, it's not. It's not. Here's a Torah example. Uh, uh, if you find a bunch of little birds out of its nest on the ground, you're supposed to pick them up and put them back in its nest. Uh, you know, it's 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 not all about don'ts. It's a uh, it's it's bigger than that. It's it's actually for our benefit and our protection. And it's it's and, and God's basically saying, look, because because you fell in the garden, because of because of the demonic, and because of Lucifer, and because of evil in the world, and because of darkness in the world, you don't actually know how to walk in light. You don't actually know how to walk correctly. This is how you walk correctly on this earth. So, right? And then there's this amazing thing. Look at what Solomon writes in, uh, in, uh, in, a, in uh, Ecclesiastes. The last chapter of Ecclesiastes and the last thing he says, literally the last two verses of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. Um, hold on, let me change the, let's go to this over here. Here's what Solomon says. Here is the final conclusion now that you have heard everything. Fear God and keep his mitzvah, his commandments, the Torah. This is what being human is all about. For God will bring to judgment everything we do, including every secret, whether good or bad. All right. Now, I'm going to read it in the English Standard Version because there's people out there that would say, oh, well, that's, a, that's not really what it says, Alan. Because that's not what it says in my Bible. All right. English Standard Version. That's the one I use because no one can actually complain about it, me using that. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. Oops, there it is. For this is the whole duty of man. You know, in Jeremiah, he says, you're at the crossroads. Consider, ask about the ancient ways and then take your path and walk in them and do them. Next. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready for Jesus to come back, man. I'm I want to set up my drums in heaven. Let's yeah. go. I'm not ready for him to come back. There's still a whole lot of work to be done here. Yeah. You know? Well, um, I'll rephrase. I look forward. Uh, yes. To it. I, I do too. I do so, too. so 
break this down oh, for the tabernacles thing okay so so what does it say it says for the gentiles the gentile nations will have during messiah after jesus come back jesus comes back to earth he's reigning he's reigning from jerusalem as messiah during the millennium reign when it comes to the feast of tabernacles all you gentile non-jewish nations you have to come to jerusalem and observe it. And if you don't, you'll be cursed with drought and plague and you'll you'll get spanked. Because see, whether Christians like it or not, and they don't like it, because if they did, they would be they would, this channel would be blown blowed up. People would be coming, you know, in line, standing in line to watch this show and to listen to what we're talking about. They're not doing that. They're listening, you know, they're going to the, to, they're going to Gunger's demonic little get together this weekend instead. Oh my God, I just said that out loud. Oh, Alan, making friends. I don't want to be friends with that guy, man. Hey, so. So yeah. anyway, right? You're talking, we're talking about Zechariah if 14. You don't Right, Zechariah fourteen. If you don't keep God's commandments, there are circum there, there's consequences. There's consequences to disobedience. When you don't keep his commandments, you're being disobedient. You get in trouble. You get spanked. Yeah, so Zechariah fourteen, where it's saying go to Jerusalem to celebrate the feasts, and we're not doing it. Do you think that's literal, and that's for us? That's or? absolutely literal, and that's for Gentiles. That's for you. See, so here's what I say: you should probably see. Here's the thing: there's a word for this. It's called moedim. It's their holy rehearsals. The Hebrew says, "Our keeping of Passover, our keep." I'm, I'm naming off Leviticus 23. The Scriptures say that our keeping of Passover, the week-long feast of unleavened bread, eating matzah, the counting of the omer, leading up to Shavuot, keeping Shavuot, then keeping tabern um, feast of trumpets, atonement. And the eight-day-long Feast of Tabernacles, and eating clean, right? All these things, right? So let's just stick to Leviticus 20, 23. Doing those things, keeping his Sabbath. Above all, keeping his Sabbath. Not just the weekly one, but the high Sabbath inside those seven feasts. He says, how did I just go blank? What was your, what was your question? We're talking about Zechariah 14 and right, application that. to us as individuals, Gentiles, to go to Jerusalem to look to celebrate the feasts. Yeah, I know. Oh, the Hebrew, the scripture says that they are he, that they're they're holy rehearsals. That keeping all these feasts, keeping the Sabbath, the high Sabbath, Passover, all these feasts, including Tabernacles, Zechariah 14, are holy rehearsals. Rehearsals for what? For tomorrow. Rehearsals for the millennium reign. But see, more importantly, the rehearsals for what it is going to be like in heaven or in the, the world to come. So, the new Jerusalem. So, it would behoove us to know what the hell it is that we signed up for and what it is that we're supposed to be doing when we get there. What does Revelation, how does Revelation explain this? Well, it, it, they call it the marriage supper of the Lamb. 
Whoa. Did you know there's a Passover in your, in your, in your supernatural tomorrow and your supernatural future? Jesus says, I won't do Passover with you again until then. There's a Passover in our future with Jesus. There's, it's, it's, it's a, it's a marriage supper of the lamb. There, so can you can you see the marriage supper of the Lamb and, and there's a fraction of us that know what's going on and the rest of them are going why haven't why, what's going on are, are we going to say grace ooh, ooh. They're, they're, they're they're totally clueless they literally have no idea what's going on God said that keeping Leviticus twenty three the feasts these are holy rehearsals that's what it says in the Hebrew God says that these are holy rehearsals well. You know what happens as a musician if you don't go to rehearsal? You don't know what the heck is going on. You're going to suck at the show. You're going to miss all your cues. You're not going to know when to come in, when to go out, when to when to pause. At least you'll look good. Okay. See, I figure if you love, if I figure if you're if you're if you're if you're engaged and you're really a part of this band, you'll show up to rehearsals, you'll take care of business, so that when we do do a show, it'll be excellent. And you know that to be true. Well, guess what God thinks? He's like, I've given you all the tools necessary to serve me correctly. This is these these are all forms of worship. The feasts are holy rehearsals. And there's there's forms of worship. God says, I want you to worship me, and I want to I want you to worship me on specific days in a specific way for specific reasons. And we're saying, No, your son did away with your ways, God. That is about as demonic as it gets. There's nothing more demonic than that. Yeah, now we're touching on what maybe we were talking about last week, and that's the heart of it. It's really a worship, a posture worship. Yeah, and, and we're and, and we're telling God that your son Jesus, the Messiah, did away with your forms of worship, so I don't have to. That's demonic. That's one thousand percent demonic. And then at the same time, they say he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I cry foul, BS. That's BS. You can't say that and not do this. Yeah. So how do you break it down, or what would you say again? It. It helps me when I'm thinking about when I'm talking to my 12 year. This is how I broke it down. My 12 year old boy. If you okay, if you, if go to Deuteronomy six. Hold on, yeah, hold on, hold on. You're Jesus. This woman is repenting. She is washing your feet. And how you take someone from that, you know, because it's this journey. Someone has an encounter with Jesus. Their eyes are open. The scales fall off. I'm a sinner. You are the Messiah. I worship you. Here's my most expensive possession. This is how I earn my living. I'm breaking it on your feet. I, I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to wipe. I'm going to use my hair, which is also an asset that I make money with. and I'm going to give it to you. Now what? And Jesus says, start eating clean. Like, how do you, what's the progression of someone from that comes to new life in faith to now this is what you start practicing. What, what would you tell someone, or if you're discipling someone in that to, because I can't, I can't see Jesus going, thank you for washing my feet. Now, now whatever you do, don't eat bacon tonight. And like, and laying all these things right. on them. It doesn't work this, the way. What's the language you would have to get her 
right. into you practicing know, worship and and right. You know why Jesus? You, you, so you you said I can't see Jesus doing that. Well, you know why? Because Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus only said what he heard the Father say. Jesus only did what he saw the Father do. Jesus didn't bring a new religion. Didn't Jesus say that? That's exactly what Jesus said. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear the Father say. See, that incriminates Christianity. Because they said that Jesus came to do away with God. Well, no. Jesus is only doing and saying what the Father says and does. He didn't bring a new religion. He didn't change anything. All he did was become the final sacrifice for sin atonement. That's it. That's the new covenant. The new covenant is you don't have to worry about the, the blood of bulls and goats, which God was talking about in the Old Testament. I'm sick of your, 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 your freaking sacrifices and your feast days because your heart's not in it. So Jesus wouldn't say that. You're absolutely correct. He wouldn't say that. Here's what Christianity, that, that's Christianity. That's religion. That's legalism. Yeah, break it down, though. Like, if you're Jesus, break, how, do you, how, do you, how do you bring her to that? Right. Okay, now you got to start changing your diet. Right. So here's what so here's what um here's what here's what Christianity says. Believe, behave to belong. Jesus says, believe, you already belong, and I'll teach you how to behave. That's what and see and let me, let me what I'm about to say tells us and will show and reveal just how far removed Christianity is from the New Testament. In Acts 14 um, Paul and Barnabas are out there, um, man, they're, they're cutting it up, man. They're, 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 they're hitting home runs left and right with the Gentiles. They're bringing Gentiles to faith. A lot of Gentiles are believing about Jesus, the Messiah, um, because it opened up to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. So they're out there. Paul's being sent to the Gentiles. Uh, he's, a gen, he's the apostle to the Gentiles, and they're bringing Gentiles to salvation, healing, Prophesying, speaking in tongues, healing the sick, casting out demons, the whole nine yards. Well, a bunch of religious types were running around. A bunch of Christians came out of Jerusalem running around telling, every, telling the Gentiles believers that Paul was converting that their salvation wasn't legit. The only way their salvation could be legit is if they went, underwent ritual circumcision, traditional ritual circumcision. Well, Paul and Barnabas, they're not even sure if they're, if that, wow, is that, is that true? Man, can, is that, what do we do about that? Oh, we don't know. We don't have the answer. Those guys were called Judaizers. Judaizers insisted that Gentile believers, in order for their salvation to be legit, had to undergo ritual circumcision for salvation. Paul and Barnabas don't have the answer. They don't know if that's true or not. So what do they do? They go back to Jerusalem to bring it up with the elders, to bring it up with the leaders. That's what Acts 15 is about, the Council of Jerusalem. So they go to Jerusalem. They bring the, 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 the you know, the leadership gets together for their Monday night leadership meeting over at Denny's. 
Um, and uh, depending on what church you go to, it's Applebee's or Denny's or maybe even the, you know, you know what I'm talking about. They all get together and they hear Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas start talking about how what's happening with the Gentiles. And, and there's some Pharisees there because they're part of the leadership because Jesus was one of the Pharisees. He was a Pharisee. That's why a Pharisee. That's why they came to him at night. So there are, there are, there are Pharisees coming to Jesus even while he was alive. In fact, a Pharisee gave Jesus his own tomb. They put Jesus in a in the tomb of a Pharisee, right? So there's Pharisees that were already in alignment with the gospel of Jesus. So here we are, 20, 25 years later, after the resurrection. There are not only believing Pharisees, but they're actually in leadership. And in verse five of chapter fifteen, when the you know right, they heard they heard what Paul and Barnabas were talking about. We're here to discuss because there's some guys that are that came from Judea that were they were rogue. They wonder they weren't part of the leadership, and they were going around causing problems. Very similar to what happens today. Happens to me all the time, and um, they're going around telling uh, telling my. People that we've just brought to Jesus are are converts that they have to be ritually circumcised, and the and the Pharisee said that the Gentiles have to be circumcised and they have to follow the Torah, verse five, and it is never contested, ever. So Paul and Barnabas explain what's going on, and so what do we do? Do the do these Gentiles have to be ritually circumcised? And that's when Peter goes, wait a second, here's what's going on. Wait a second. Five chapters ago, when I was sent to Cornelius, those guys not only got the Holy Spirit whomped them with fire like us in the upper room, they hadn't even come to Jesus yet. The, they, were, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues the whole nine yards, and they hadn't even received Jesus yet, because that's what I was sent to them to do, even though they were Torah-observant, see, Cornelius so was a Torah-observant Roman centurion. We know that he was Torah-observant. He was a God-fearer because he was praying during the, the Torah hours, and that's when an angel of the Lord came to him and said, your prayers and your good deeds to the Jewish poor have been brought up to heaven as a memorial. Holy crap. I would love anything that I do to become a memorial before heaven. And this Roman centurion, right? So... Peter sent to this centurion to tell him about Jesus because he didn't know about Jesus. But before they even got to the Jesus piece, the Holy Spirit came down and baptized them in power and speaking in tongues and all that. And so Peter's explaining this. So we don't want to we don't want to enforce this burden, this heavy yoke on the Gentiles regarding salvation, and the and, and so in the same way, Catholics don't know that uh, Jesus was uh, taken off the cross before the high Sabbath of the first day of the feast of tab of uh, unleavened bread versus the weekly Sabbath, because that's why they have Good Friday. In the same way, the Catholics don't know that because they don't know what the Word of God says. The same thing happens to Christians because they don't know what the Word of God says. Um, the Torah is not a burden. It says that in the Old Testament, and it says that in the New Testament. So Paul, so Peter can't be talking about Torah as a burden because God says it's not a burden. So what is the burden and the yoke that they don't want to put on the Gentiles? Christianity says Torah because they're, they don't know what they're talking about. See, I just caught myself. No, they're talking about the traditions of men because the question is, do Gentiles need to be ritually, traditionally circumcised? See, we're talking about what we would call Talmud, 
what the what the Jews came out what the what the Jewish leaders did when they came out of Babylon. Do they have to undergo traditional ritual for circumcision of circumcision for salvation? That's the burden. That's the yoke, not the Torah. To say that the Torah is a yoke goes against both Old and New Testament teaching. It says so in the Old Testament about Torah that it's not something that they can, that it's, it's beyond their grasp, they can do it. And First John says, my Torah is not uh, burdensome. So that's not what they're talking about. They're talking about the tradition that the Judaizers are trying to implement on the, on the, on the Gentiles. No, they don't have to undergo ritual circumcision for salvation. But they do have to, but they do. If a Gentile does want to get saved, they have to undergo, they have, they have to ab, uh, abstain from sexual immorality and three dietary laws just to get saved. If they're serious about salvation, they have to, they have to start doing these four things first. Wow, that's what it actually says. Christianity doesn't even do that. Well, some yeah, of them so, do. So what some point would Jesus tell the woman that's washed his feet that and then it says see i have to build i gotta give you a backstory if i just go to the verse it doesn't make yeah. any sense right then it says tell the gentile believers tell the gentile converts paul while you're out there when you're preaching that if they want to come to salvation if they want to come to jesus they have to abstain from sexual immorality eating blood abstain from food offered to idols and oh, i can always forget the fourth one and 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 strangled meats because that's blood. So it, see those four things speak to their paganism, because the rest of the Torah they're going to learn in the synagogue on the Sabbath, because because Moses is preached everywhere on the Sabbath in the synagogue, and if you go and look at Paul's uh, ministry in Acts, he teaches the Torah on the Sabbath in the synagogues to Jews and Gentiles. That's Paul's ministry in the book of Acts. So you have to take care of these four things first. And then, right, Jesus, Christianity says, believe, behave, belong. Jesus says, believe, you already belong. I'll teach you how to behave. So you come to Jesus, you come to salvation, and you start hanging out with us. And you come into our meetings, and you're going to learn all the various ways we worship, how to worship, you're going to learn. It's called discipleship. Discipleship is learning how to behave. Discipleship is learning the Torah on the Shabbat in the synagogue. That's discipleship. Teaching you uh, about how to eat, not, what not to eat and why. Teaching you what, what, you know, when the Sabbath is and how to keep the Sabbath. Teaching you how to, how to observe, the, how to follow the new moon. Teaching you how to do Passover, how to keep the Omer. That's all discipleship. How not to steal, steal kill, uh, rob, lie, uh, be sexually immoral. It's very practical. Spencer says, say that again, the three Bs. What Bs? What are the three Bs? I think he's talking about belong. Oh, Christianity says, believe, behave to belong. Jesus says, believe, you already belong. I'll teach you how to behave. 
That's why he can he can look at the prostitute or whoever, the woman uh, of ill repute who's washing his hair or Mary Magdalene or the woman caught in adultery and look at her and say, I don't judge you now. Go and sin no more. Go and don't go and stop being a prostitute. Because if they come to Jesus, right, grace, mercy, loving kindness. What is that that I taught about last week uh, out of Peter? Uh, Second Peter three. Add this to your faith. I just noticed bacon is a B word too. So, yep, it is. And uh, and we're not supposed to eat it. We're not even supposed to touch it. Here's here's why Jesus can do that. Oh, come on, where is it? Oh, man. What did I, I wrote about the other, I talked about it last week. Add this to your faith. And if you do, you won't stumble and you'll actually succeed at this thing called faith. Uh, I can't remember. But it's a, it's, what Peter, it's a list of Peter that, of what to do. Add this to your faith. And, uh, man, I should, I want to find it because I should read it. Oh, here, I'll just go to my notes from uh, last week's two-minute warning. Second Peter 1, 5 through 11. So, Second Peter, let me go to Second Peter. Timmer's, Timmer's commenting it at you. He's, he's following you. What's he saying? Second Peter fifteen or one five. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to find. Second Peter one five through eleven, and it says, "Here's what it says: For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with." And this is why Jesus can do that. That's why here's why Jesus can look at these people and say what he says because he's full of virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins, from what their previous life. <laughs> right? So that's why Jesus can do that. And that's why Jesus can say, you already belong. I'll teach you how to behave. Because of his, uh, his God... Don't we talk about that? We talk about that in, in one of in, in, in one of these devotionals about the just the how 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 huge God's loving kindness is. He's for us, not against us. The Christian God will give you stone when you ask for, for fish. He'll give you or when you ask for bread. He'll give the Christian God will give you snake instead of fish when you ask for fish. See, because the Christian God would tell you to keep a Torah that, that is impossible for you to keep. Because that's what Christianity says. God knew that uh, you would never be able to keep the Torah, so he sent Jesus to do it for you, so now you don't have to. My God wouldn't command me to do something I couldn't do. That was beyond my reach. Isn't that what, isn't that what Christianity teaches? See, Christianity is a bag of lies. Christianity is total crap. It's, it's not true. It's a, based on its own definition, Christianity is a cult. 
Christianity says that God is commanding you to do something you can do, and then he's going to punish you for it. No, that's the pagan God does that, not my God. So what the heck is Christianity talking about? What is their God? Who is their God? It's not my God. It's not the God that I know. My God doesn't give me stone when I ask for bed, and he doesn't give me snake when I ask for fish. They're saying that their God does. And then he throws in, they, he threw in Jesus somewhere down the road. Well, what happens to everybody then, pre-Jesus? They're all doomed then? Sounds like that to me. I mean, I think, isn't that what Luther taught? That's not my God. That's not the God I follow. That's not the God I preach. That's not the God I believe in. That's not the God of the scriptures. That's not the God of the Bible. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus let this woman wash his, wash his feet. This woman, he, Jesus told the, the adulteress, he didn't condemn her. He didn't do what the Christianity just said that God does. No. See, Jesus only did what he saw the Father do, only said what he heard the Father say. If you've seen me, Jesus said, you've seen the Father. He's on our, God is for us, not against us. He's not trying to entrap us. It's not a... Uh, He's not entrapping us in, to find us in sin so he can throw us into the, the lake of fire. That's, that was, that's not the God of the Old Testament. The God of the Old Testament does punish out of disobedience. The God of the book of Revelation does punish for disobedience. The God of the book of Acts does strike you dead when you lie to the Holy Spirit. Because there are consequences when it comes to disobedience. Christianity doesn't like that, so they've created it. Not only have they created a, a Gentile Jesus that Israel will never be able to accept or recognize because they've turned him into a Gentile, that he looks like an Egyptian, but they've also created this God that wants to kill you and entrap you. And then he sends some, you know, I don't know, some weird Messiah that usurps God. If Jesus usurped God, he wouldn't be Messiah. He couldn't be God. See, see how convoluted and false and just absolutely demonic Christianity is? People don't like me saying that. Well, prove me wrong then. Explain to me how your doctrines and theologies aren't demonic. Explain to me how your theologies and doctrine don't contradict the actual narrative. And then maybe I can change my tone. But I've been a Christian longer than most people. I know what they teach. I believed it. Until, you know, I actually started reading the Bible and the Bible said something completely different. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, Chris? You know, I don't hate Christians. I don't hate Christians. Most of the majority of my Christian friends don't believe the way I do, the way I believe. It's just the truth. And I don't hate them. I'm not against them. No, I'm just trying to equip them into, hey, you know what the Bible says? You know, the Bible says this. Your denomination or your faith, your Christianity says this. It's Christianity versus the Bible. I've been doing this since the 80s. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what Christianity says. I'm sorry. I'm going with the Bible. <laughs> That's just me. I'm funny that way. You, Dude, you know what? You want to spend the next week finding me all the scriptures that says you can eat bacon? Bring it on, baby. But see, that's the thing. Test the scripture. Test what I'm saying. Does the Bible actually say this or not? Does the, does the, does the, but in the same way, does the Bible actually say you can't eat pork or does it say that you can? And then, you know, test it for yourself, what I'm saying. Don't just take my word for it. Test it. 
What do you think, Chris? I was cracking myself up here in this back end of the stream software. It has this link that says having issues, question mark. Are you having issues, Chris? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'm having issues. Yeah. Oh, man, I just, my heart for Jesus is big, man. I know. I know. And I don't, I don't. I think people confuse your passion and your confidence in Torah with, I mean, I've seen people brand you as unloving and brand you as, yeah. what's the word, beating people to stick with the rules. But your, I know your heart is for people not to miss out and that you live the power of Jesus in your life. And that's, that's what I want. And, it encourage, and so it encourages me to, like that, like that woman washing his feet, man. I, I just don't. I don't want anything in the way. I don't want to put anything, even if the thing for me is my past, my Christianity, my version of Christianity. I don't want that to be an obstacle to me knowing the true Jesus. And that's what. That's I hear. I know your heart, and that's what I. Yeah, I, I just I can't wait till he comes back. I look forward to being with him forever. The feast. The marriage supper of the lamb, dude, that's going to be such a stinking party. And I just. Now, you do realize that when he comes back, that everything I'm talking about is actually in full effect. Ezekiel, four chapters, the last four chapters of Ezekiel. Messiah is back. He's reigning from Mount Zion as high priest, and the Levitical priesthood is reinstated. The sacrifices are reinstated. See, that confuses Christians. Well, wait, didn't he do away? No, he didn't do away with He only did away with the sin atonement. There's a gazillion other sacrifices at play. That's why Paul is in the temple in Acts 20, 21, 22, sacrificing, because it was a week-long amount of sacrifices to do when you when you when you stop the, the vow of an ass, right? That's why he's in the temple sacrificing. Well, wait a second. I thought Jesus did away with that. Well, then wouldn't Paul know that? As your Gentile apostle, or as your apostle to the Gentiles, what is your apostle to the Gentiles doing in the temple sacrificing? They can't answer that question because it's, they don't have the answer. They don't know because they don't know what this Bible actually says. They only know what their pastor told them. Right? So there's that. And then, and then what else? What does Isaiah say the millennium reign looks like? If you eat pork, you will not be allowed up to Mount Zion to worship him. Isaiah 65 and Isaiah 66. I didn't make this up. Well, Alan, you're misreading that. Really? Go read it for yourself. It actually says, if you eat swine, you will not be allowed up to Mount Zion to worship him during the millennium reign. Isaiah 65 and Isaiah 66. But you can't say, well, that doesn't apply to us. Well, then neither does Isaiah 52 then. And you're probably right. If Isaiah 65 and 66 don't apply to you, then neither does Messiah. Isaiah 52. Or is it 54? You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't say that that one does and this one doesn't. If you eat pork or rat, the abominable things, the detestable things, you will not be allowed to worship. And, that's, and, I, and, I, and I share that. And, and I've shared that before. It's called uh, Proximity. Just, uh, I, I got a backstage pass to the U2 concert. Okay, do you have a backstage ta- pass to the U2 concert, or do you have a back? See, at that point, it's not about whether I know U2, is, but am I known 
from them? Do they know me? Because see that that if because if they know me, that backstage pass doesn't just get me into the show for free, but now I'm in the backstage. I'm in the green room. I'm in the dressing room. I'm hanging out with the band and I'm maybe in the wings or I'm in front row. See, depending on their knowing of me depends on what level of backstage pass access I have. Now, Paul says there's levels in heaven. The Bible says our resurrection has three brightnesses. What determine those things? Oh, well, I'll still be in, even though I, I eat bacon, maybe. But see, you're in the cheap seats. You're in the nosebleeds. Because you're, you're not allowed up, up to Mount Zion to worship him. You're still there. You're at Mount Zion. But because you eat pork, you're not allowed into Mount Zion, up Mount Zion, to worship him. See, it's the same thing. It's the same thing as a backstage pass. What level of backstage pass do you have is determined by does the band know you? Does Jesus know you? Are you known by him? No one cares if you know him. That's not. Uh, what, our tomorrow isn't based on us knowing him. Our tomorrow is based on him knowing us. I want to be known by him. And that's determined by to what level of obedience do I walk in? And pork does, apparently, eating pork does play into the equation. Isaiah thought so, and Isaiah would know. 65 and 66. You mentioned about um, how, to, how do you talk to your, your boy about this? And I suggested Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6, this is what it says. Now, this is the commandment or the Torah, the statutes that the rule and the rule, the statutes and the rules, the Torah observances that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. And then uh, the, the big Muppets say, ah, oh, see, Alan, that only applies to people living in Israel. Well, there's uh, other passages that talk about sexual immorality and not to do them when you're in the land. So are you saying that just because you're not in Israel, you can be sexually immoral? Because that's the conclusion of your stupidity, right? Yeah. I'm going to start over. See, I don't need your help. I can trigger, trigger myself. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules. That's also known as Torah. That the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. That you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son. You know, most pastors can't even raise their own kids in the Lord, let alone the three generations there. You, your son, and your son's son. By keeping all his statues. So how do, you, how do you do that? How do you raise your child in the Lord so that they raise their child in the Lord? It says so right here. That you may do them, right? Do what? The Torah. That you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statues and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Oh, you mean if I keep the Torah? It's generational, and my son and my son's sons will. That's what it says. Christianity doesn't have any formula like that. Christianity's formula doesn't work. Hell, how many friends do you and I have that left the Lord within the last 20 years? More than not. Why? Because they don't do this. Because they don't keep Torah. If God tells you to keep Torah in order for salvation, 
not to get saved, but to keep your salvation in fear and trembling. How do you work out your salvation in fear and trembling? By doing the good works that you were made for. What are those good works? The good works of, of obedience, James says. We're justified by our doing the works of what? Obedience. Christianity doesn't teach you that. That's why Christianity doesn't work. That's why Christianity is a false doctrine, a false religion, a cult. Because Christianity says any religion that says they're pro-God and pro-Jesus that doesn't keep the Bible is a false religion. Oops. Or if, even right. if angels pe- preach another gospel besides Jesus. Yeah. Okay, now this is the commandment. I'm starting over because I triggered myself again. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules, the Torah, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God. There's the beginning of wisdom. You and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, Shema Israel, and be careful to do them that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, Shema, Israel, Adonai Elohenu, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, Adonai Echad, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. There is Jesus saying the only thing that he knows, and that's what the Father says. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. That means it's a part of you. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Oops. If I'm not teaching my children Torah, they're probably not going to, oh, look at I, I, I froze up. So let me turn that off because that's ugly. Hold on one second. Having issues? I am having issues. It does, it does this sometimes when we, uh, when we get real serious about stuff. See, hold on one second. Can you you can hear me though, right? Yeah, we hear you. All right, hold on one second. I'm gonna go ugly. I'm gonna go ugly on you. Oh, wow, man, right? Citizen Kane shot. That's just like that's why I don't use that because it's so nasty. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, look at that. I'm using my laptop. All right, here's what it says. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. All right, hold on. Check this out. Let's get this. Oh, there we go. I'm pretty again. All right. And then let me close this. Okay. Now let me repeat that. Right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. How do you do that? Christianity can't teach you how to do that because they don't know how to do that. Well, here's one of the ways. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, that's reaping where you don't sow, gathering where you don't lay seed, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care, lest you forget the Lord 
who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear, him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are around you. For the Lord your God is, is in your midst. He's a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and, dis, and he destroy you from off of the face of the earth. This is serious stuff, man. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massah, basically in the desert with Moses. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes, which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, and it may go well with you, and that you may go in and take possession of the good land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. This is all the stuff that Israel was supposed to do that Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 10, the premise of our field manual. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may go well with you, and that you may go in and take possession of the good land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. That's called a prophetic inheritance. By thrusting out all your enemies from before you, as the Lord has promised. When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? So our kids are going to see us leading them at Shabbat dinner leading them in communion. The, the, our kids are going to see us leading them in eating matzah for a week. Our kids are going to see us leading them in counting the omer. The kids are going to see us leading them when it comes to Pentecost, to Shavuot. The kids are going to see us get up on, for the Shabbat every week and not go to work and keep that day holy. The kids are going to see us looking for the new moon every month and blowing the shofar when we see it. The kids are going to see us on the Feast of Trumpets, blowing the shofar to remember the, 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 the supernatural shofar blast of Shavuot, which is going to remind us that there's a future supernatural shofar in our future, prophetic future. The kids are going to see us going before the Lord for the, on the Day of Atonement, and then they're going to see us party for eight days for the Feast of Ingathering for Tabernacles. See, we're going to exemplify those things as we freeze on, on live uh, on our live recording. So I'm just going to leave that. Um, so they're going to see that they're going to see us and they're going to say, can you hear me? Okay. They're going to see that. And they're going to say, when, when, when your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of these things? What is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules? What is the meaning of this Torah stuff that you're, that you're teaching me? What are the meanings of these things? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. I was in bondage, son. I was in sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I wasn't a good guy. And God delivered me from my Egypt with a, with a mighty hand. And that's why I do these things, because the, he redeemed me from my life of death. He brought me, my, he saved my life from death. And that's why I do these things. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there. He brought us out of death and darkness that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. He brought me into my prophetic inheritance. And that's why I do these things. That's why I don't eat leavened bread during the week of unleavened bread. That's why I eat matzah instead. 
And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes and to fear Him, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that He might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as He has commanded us. That's why I do this, son. That's why I do this, Corin. That's why I do this, Julian. I do these things so that I can be... Hold on, let me change my camera. I do these things because of what he did for me and because he brought my life from death. He saved my life from death. I, 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 I love him for what he did for me, and so I keep his commandments. That's what you tell your son, Deuteronomy that's, 6. That's gold, man. Yeah. I wish you wouldn't have lost your camera. That's all right. That's Thank you for showing that. And that right there, that's the backstage Allen I know. Yeah. That, that's like, that's in the living room with the 12-string guitar, yeah. worshiping before the Lord. And that's what, that's what I want people to see from you. That's, that's, your, that's your zone right there, man. You're a worship leader. You're a worshiper. Drew, that's just, yeah. you got me going there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. I'll see you guys next week. Bye. You're listening to Chameleon Church. Biblical antidotes for the modern man. With your host, Ellen Aguirre. The views and opinions expressed during our broadcasts are solely those of the broadcast producers, hosts, and or guests, etc., and are not necessarily the views or opinions of the Travelog Network, its sponsors, or affiliates.